Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Topical Brainstorm. Uh, I'm Christian. I'm here with Garrett. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? What is that face for? That's my smile. <laughs> that was not. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're back. Uh, we've been publishing an episode every week, but we actually haven't recorded in two weeks, so it's been a little while. Uh, it has any, been. Got any life updates you want to share with us? Uh, no, not really. My goals have not been good this week. Uh, so I've decided that starting Monday next week, I'm going to jump back on the wagon and, uh, do better. Why, why has it been bad for you with your habits? Uh, I've just had a a hard time motivating this week. So okay. I need to reevaluate that and reevaluate my systems and what motivates me and then tie that in, maybe make it more satisfying. I don't know. Yeah. Habits are hard. Maybe I just need to make it easier. <laughs> I need to reevaluate all the stuff we've learned with my habits and see how I can make them actually happen better. So yeah, I feel like this is a book that you can just keep revisiting. Honestly, yeah. new things. Yeah, so it's been about two weeks since we recorded. Yeah, about two weeks. Uh, my life has been pretty wild. Mostly because we have puppies now. Scarlett had her puppies. And we had to have a C-section. I think I told you that, Garrett. We had to take her in for... A C-section because apparently there's a thing where when there are only two puppies, first of all, they get big because they're not sharing nutrients with a bunch of different puppies. So that increases the chance of a C-section. And then also there isn't enough hormone released to induce labor. Oh, interesting. Because there were only two puppies. And no one warned us of this. I feel like they should have (laughs) when (laughs) we had her x-rayed and they told us there were two puppies because they seemed knowledgeable on it when we took her in for the surgery. But anyway, it was just pretty scary. I just, you have to just trust these vets because Scarlett was acting totally normal and we just called and they're like, what day is it of her pregnancy? Like bring her in right now. It was kind of scary, but it all turned out well. Uh, There's one boy and one girl. The boy is chunky. (laughs) uh, We're going to give one to Taylor Kylie's sister, and then we're going to keep one. So, Do you know which one you're giving away? No, not sure yet. Taylor hasn't even met him yet. She's coming over in a day or two. Um, but they're, they're both really cute. I don't really have a preference. Their eyes aren't even open yet. So, Really? Uh, yeah. They just lay there with their eyes closed? Two weeks. Yeah, they just kind of crawl around a little bit. Although they don't really have any you know, bones yet. They're just like, can kind of push themselves around. They have bones, but they're just (laughs) no, no. Yeah. They'll start developing like muscles and what's all the, what's the word musculature as they open their eyes and learn how to walk in the next week or two. So anyway, yeah, it's been fun, but going back to habits that really kind of threw a wrench in, 
what I learned, I suppose I should say, is the importance of a routine because that really threw us off. Uh, we had to make, we had to kind of force Scarlet to take care of them and to feed them, which really just means making sure Scarlet lays down and stays there so they can find her and and eat, right? But Scarlet just woke up from her surgery and just suddenly there were two puppies. She had no idea that was coming, so. It's been weird, and we like set up an air mattress downstairs where we're keeping the puppies so we could make sure they eat every two hours because that's how often they're supposed to eat when they're newborns. And so I just got really bad sleep for a week. It really threw off my schedule. Um, I did not get any exercise. And To be boy. fair, I didn't have puppies and didn't get much exercise. So at least you have puppies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I did a little bit better this week, trying to trying to um, get back on it. But my one success story is, let me check my streak. I have read my scriptures thirty three days in a row. Wow, whole yeah, month. I, I haven't marked today yet. Thirty four days because I read I read a chapter this morning. So. Uh, that's been really good. That's, that's been my success of this book so far. <laughs> nice. Is, uh, at this point, and I don't know if I have a foolproof, foolproof system, but I get up in the morning and it's like the first thing I do and my brain just goes there right away. It's like, I need to do that first before I do anything else, which has been really good. And sometimes I'll try to leave my scriptures in an obvious place to remind myself, but I don't even, at this point where I'm at right now, I don't even feel like I need that reminder. It just is in my brain right away. And my desire to keep my streak going is also strong. So, so that's just a system that's working well for me right now. And yeah, I guess that's my report in all, but nice. I'm good from bad. Noise. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also I'm trying like not to drink soda. And Dr. Pepper came out with a dark berry flavor. Dark berry. It's I really enjoy it. It's pretty good. (laughs) So that made it kind of hard. We also found Dr. Pepper in glass bottles, and Michaela loves glass bottles. If there's something that comes in a glass bottle, she's going to buy it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, if she likes whatever it is. So Dr. Pepper, you know, Sprite, (laughs) glass bottle, it's going to be bought. And uh, it's really good. It's made with real sugar. But we just ran out of those today, so hopefully I can keep myself out of situations where I don't have to use willpower. Yeah. But we'll see. All right. A work in progress. We're both still a work in progress. Yeah. A work in little progress, but some progress. (laughs) (laughs) Well... This is something I think we're going to have to continue to report on, even though this is going to be the last episode of this book or on the last section. So, I agree. 
Um, so this section of the book, we covered the four laws, right? Which I still don't have completely memorized. Keep it, make it easy, make it attractive, make it obvious, make it satisfying, satisfying. And then this last conclusion section is advanced tactics is what it's called. So a few other tips, a few other strategies and ideas. And the first chapter is called the truth about talent, when genes matter and when they don't. Genes as in G-E-N-E-S, if that wasn't clear. but <laughs> Yes. And this chapter, it was definitely a different vibe from the rest of the book. The rest of the book, I feel like, is really encouraging. And it's just, you can accomplish whatever you want. And then he talks about the idea of competition in this chapter, right? Where... You can work really hard at anything and get a lot better at anything, but I am never going to beat a lot of those Ethiopian Olympian runners at running, right? Or Usain Bolt at running because it's just not going to happen, right? So he talks about choosing the areas that maximize your odds of success. And I think this applies really well to, you know, a career something along those lines when you're trying to specialize whatever you're doing in order to make money or when you really need to be the best at something. He talks about kind of how you can find that area that you can excel at in, in comparison to other people. Yeah. I really liked this chapter. It made me think of my own life and my likes and my interests. I really enjoy basketball and I'm pretty good at it. You are, but I'm not six, you know, six, five. I'm not going to be in the NBA. That dream was shattered long ago. <laughs> so, but yeah, I like the idea of taking something that is pretty intuitive for you and then making that something you focus on, because if something's already easy for you, it's going to be a lot easier to focus on that and to develop habits and systems that allow you to get better at that thing. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if people are good at things and then I, – I, I don't know. It's just this cycle where if you're good at something, you want to do it which makes you better, which makes you want to do it more. I, I don't know. It's just a, an everlasting cycle. Yeah, and I is, think that's where you want to get, right? Where yeah. Where you feel that way about something. And if it can – I feel like this chapter to me applied mostly to a career, right? Because, yeah, like I, I want to read more and I want to – be more healthy, but I, I don't need to compete with other people to do either of those things. Right. But yeah. So for me, this kind of just applies to, to a career. I feel like, although for other people, it might apply to other things as well, but yeah, a couple, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it could, it could apply to sports or it could apply to like, maybe you have an ambition to write a book or something. If you're, there's some people that are just naturally good at writing. It's probably people that just read a lot. 
Yeah. Sure. Um, but that makes them pretty good writers. Whereas if I tried to write a book, which I, I think I will try to eventually one day because I think that'd be cool, but it's not going to be very good, you know, because I'm just, I'm not a writer. Not yet, at least. So, I, a few years ago, I was on my parents' computer and I found like all my schoolwork from elementary school and up through high school. And I found this one file of a book I'd started writing. (laughs) And it was, I got like one page in, but it was about, it was going to be a sports book about some guy who was like a tennis star. It's like looking back at that now, like what the heck was I? I don't even know the rules of tennis. I don't know them now, really. I mean, I can I can guess at some of them, but I definitely didn't know them then. That's I funny. Like, I was probably ten. I was like, I'm going to write a book. Anyway, yeah, you're right. It can definitely apply to sports, to writing, in those situations. I'm just not in either of those situations where I have to compete with other people, but. Yeah, anything where you're trying to get better and where it matters if you're better than other people. (laughs) (laughs) That's everything, Christian. That's life. (laughs) Uh, Kind of. Anyway, he brings up a couple questions you should ask yourself. And going back to what Garrett said earlier, he talks about find something. Ask yourself, what feels fun to me but feels like work to other people? What makes me lose track of time? Where do I get greater returns than the average person? What comes naturally to me? And this did kind of remind me of of accounting um, and spreadsheets and calculations and stuff. I'm no math whiz, but I do love like quick little math problems and and trying to do that fast and and accounting, honestly it's gotten to the point where it is, it, it can be kind of fun, which, which I, you know, I feel like I might get made fun of for saying that, but it really does. I, I actually, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I am taking an accounting class and I too think that it is a lot of fun. <laughs> Hopefully you continue to feel that way as you get more than a week or two in. But Yeah, we'll see. Probably not. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Everyone's always, everyone in college would be like, oh, you know, accounting is so hard and or it's so weird. And then, and then I just never quite felt that way. And I definitely feel that way about a lot of other careers that people took or classes that people took in college. I was like, that does not sound fun. Like creative writing. It's like, no, mm. no, thank you. <laughs> Um, but that's just something that, you know, I enjoy not so much accounting. I can't say I enjoy all of that, but it doesn't quite feel as much like work. And then as far as just crunching numbers and stuff like that really is, I just enjoy it. I feel like I've just done that naturally since I was a pretty little kid. just enjoyed math. Anyway, I feel like that's kind of one area where I just naturally fell into and as a way to maximize my odds of success. And then going further into that, um, there are a lot of just ways to specialize what you do in your career. A lot of different abilities that I think everyone could find if they look for that will 
help them be more specialized in whatever they're trying to do and just make you more valuable to your employer or to other employers or whatever it is. But I think pondering on these things can be just very valuable. Yeah. I think there's niches out there for everyone. Uh, They're kind of hard to find. And sometimes it works better if you can figure out a way to create one for yourself, which I believe he talks about. I can't remember though. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just finding something you're good at and creating a space for yourself within that, that field or yeah, I think it's a good way to go. Really maximizes your odds of success. Yeah. And one other little quote from this chapter that I liked He said, until you work as hard as those you admire, don't explain away their success as luck. Which isn't super related to everything else we've mentioned about this chapter, but I really like the quote. It's really easy to just assume people are lucky or that they were were born with certain genetic uh, advantages that help them in whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I'm hard people are working. Yeah. I mean, that definitely is the case for, for a lot of people. He gives Michael Phelps as an example where he, his body is built for swimming, but that doesn't matter if he doesn't put in the work and that's, that's how it is for everyone. That's good at anything. Michael Jordan wouldn't have been any good at basketball if he never, you know, practiced never picked up a ball. Yeah. That's how it is. That's how it is. That's how it is. Anything else to add for that, from that chapter? No, I don't have anything. Okay. The next chapter is another pretty good principle that I liked. He titled it the Goldilocks rule, how to stay motivated in life and work. And the basic idea is there's a zone of difficulty that's not too difficult, not too easy, that allows you to continue to make progress because you're not bored and you're challenged just enough to want to continue to improve. Yeah. You're not super bored. And you're not so bad at it that you're failing all the time. You have little successes that get you excited, that propel you forward and uh, keep you motivated. I thought that's something I'd never really thought about, but it's super true. He gave the example of playing tennis with someone that's really, really bad and how you just get bored if you won every time, which is super true. But if you lose every time, you're just, I mean, that sucks too. No one likes losing. Yeah. So. It reminds me of those nights we used to spend playing spike ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, once good. in a while, someone, we'd invite someone who just wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to be inclusive, and I feel like we were. But those games were just more boring when you're playing with or against someone who's just not very good. <laughs> no, it's super true. I mean, they don't even have to be 
good, but just give me someone that tries hard, you know? I yeah. can work with that. Yeah. But <laughs> And the games where the teams were really even, in case in case someone is listening, you play spike ball two on two, and it's a very fun game. Look it up, play it if you want to. Yeah. Very fun. But in the games that were just evenly matched, there was just at that point in my life, that was it was just the best. <laughs> I just looked forward to being in an intense game of spike ball all the time. How about a sneeze? Oh boy. <laughs> it didn't come. Ah, no. It's... Okay. So I this chapter reminded me of there it went. There's a sneeze. <laughs> oh. I muted it. <laughs> this chapter, it reminded me of a quote by a very wise man named Mike Tomlin. And I had to go look <laughs> up the quote, but I got it here. And uh, it's honestly, I heard the, I heard it a few years ago, but um, really liked it. He said, we've seen enough success to believe in ourselves. We've seen enough failure to have humility. And I think we move and proceed without fear. So powerful stuff, but good old Mike Tomlin, good old Mike Tomlin. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of things you can learn from losing. And obviously if you, you have to have some successes to have that belief in yourself to keep trying. Yeah. A really good balance of that. And I, I think he, doesn't he explain the perfect balance? Does he say 50, 50 or like 70, 30? I something in don't that remember that part. Maybe I'm making that up. Anyway, um, so yeah, pick, pick some goal. Try to establish some identity or some system that's difficult. If it's too easy, you're going to be bored. It's not going to mean anything. If it's too difficult, you need to aim for something a little lower to start off at. But try to find something sufficiently challenging and difficult and there's a lot of, I think, motivation that can come from a sufficiently adventurous and challenging goal you set yourself. Yeah, I agree. Something else I really enjoyed in this chapter is when he talks about the difference between those that are really, really successful and those that are just good. And... He mentions the time he was at a a gym talking to, was it a weightlifter or some personal training coach or something? And he asks the, whoever it was, that person, the difference between someone that's really good and someone that's just good. And the guy's answer kind of blew him away a little bit because he said, it really just comes down to who can handle the bore, the boredom of doing the same thing over and over again, the same lifts every day, uh, which I don't know. That's super true. A- anytime you have a good habit, even something you enjoy at s- a certain point, it's going to become kind of monotonous and the truly successful people, are the ones that can push past that and keep doing what they're doing in spite of being bored with it. 
that was something that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Goes along with the idea of you can't bank on motivation for everything. Yeah. Because motivation is going to come and go no matter how excited about some goal or how much motivation you feel right now to accomplish something. There's going to be ebbs and flows. So, yeah, I I do like that idea um, and that reminder. I think you put it as well that professionals stick to the schedule and amateurs let life get in the way. It's another way he kind of put that. Yeah. That ability to stick to your schedule, stick to your systems, and not have excuses um, is – you know, that separates the professionals from the amateurs as he puts it here or separates it from, you know, people who really accomplish great things and people who let other things get in the way. Yeah. That's hard to do. It's hard to stick to a schedule, man, or stick to habits. Even it's just, it's a tough thing. If you can do that though, you know, just get a little bit better every day. You'll be in a good good place by by the end of the year or the end of ten years or the end of your life. Yeah. It's it's also hard because you know, for example, your goal to read every day or either of our goals to just be more exercise more, be more healthy. Um just like sometimes things get in the way of that, that just are more important. You know, like time with family, time with your wife. Um, and, you know, neither of us are in the NBA. Neither of us are relying on those things to survive. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, sometimes a work-life balance, a life balance in general just gets in the way of that. And I don't think that's the worst thing. Um, where was I going with this? But, but yeah, I also really like the idea of like, who do I want to be in 10 years from now? Right. And there's so much potential of things that can be accomplished. Um, and obviously I'm not going to keep this streak of reading every day alive for the next 10 years because something will get in the way and that's okay. But, um, striving to accomplish great things that take years to accomplish, I think is just really important to not get into that rut and to not, um, just get bored with life in general. Yeah. Well, it's when that streak does end, it'll be about not letting that get in the way of the new streak, you know? Yeah. Which is hard. Sometimes you you look up and three days have passed since you've completed your goal and you're like, ah, son of a <laughs> dang it. <laughs> son of a dang so, Um the last chapter in this book before the short little two-page conclusion that he gives is called The Downside of Creating Good Habits. Uh, This chapter is about how sometimes you have a good habit 
and you get really good at whatever that habit is to the point where you do it on autopilot and you stop thinking about the little mistakes that are still made while you're executing whatever whatever it is that your habit is. Maybe it's data entry at work or something. You let little mistakes go because you're just good enough to where it doesn't matter. And that is the downside of creating good habits, which, I don't know, I thought it was really enlightening. I, I enjoyed reading this chapter. Yeah. It mentions how... Um, it also, it kind of compares the difference between mastering one habit and mastering a field. Um, a f- uh, you know, a field, how do you, what's another word for that? I think it makes sense, but <laughs> you can master one habit. And of course we don't have the book here, but it shows a graph of how it's really hard at first, but over enough repetitions, it plateaus, right? So it's kind of a, I, I for, it's been a long time since I was in calculus. I forget the formula that makes a, a graph look like that. It's is it? It's not x squared, is it? No, it's not. It's like the square root of x or something. Dude, I, don't, I, I don't know. I haven't I'm taken calculus since high school. I shouldn't have even brought up x's because I don't. I'm, that's embarrassing. But yeah, it's been way too long. Anyway, you plateau, right? But when you master a field, you hit that plateau, and then a new challenge comes, and it gets hard again. And you move vertical, you go up again, you make a lot of progress, and then it plateaus again. And that's a repeating process. And the problem with mastering that first level is you get to that point and you think it's good enough, I'm good enough, and it's really easy to stay there. <clears throat> and uh, that's where he brings up the idea of an annual review, or it can be a review on, on any schedule you need it to be. But you look at what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, what you've learned, and what you can do better. And that's a really important little step in, in anything you want to improve, right? I think in marriage, for example, if Kylie and I never stop and take inventory of how we're doing and what we can do better, then we could easily just be like, oh, things are good enough and just stay there for a while. And in real life, you can't stay there too long. You're going to go back down or go back up, at least in relationships or whatever. But the importance of reviewing how you're doing and analyzing it, not just when you try to start a system and when you're motivated, but doing it continually is just a pretty important process if you want to continue to change, continue to improve. Yeah. I would be willing to bet that reflection upon uh, upon life and upon habits and upon goals is what separates those that are truly successful from those that uh, are not or from those that want to be successful and for some reason can't get over the hump, which is something I've... I've always known the importance of reflection, but I've never really thought about it until I read this chapter today. Uh, (laughs) But if you never stop and reflect, do you 
how, how do you get better? You're just kind of aimlessly moving through life from one day to the next. There's no real, you may have goals and you may have these habits that you want to, to build and improve upon, but there's no way of actually measuring it and getting better at whatever it is you're trying to do. One of my favorite examples of this is actually Benjamin Franklin, who I'm going to fact check this for next time. This is just from from the top of my head right now. But he was pretty famous for carrying around a notebook with a list of his daily goals in it. And at the end of every day, he'd reflect upon those goals and see how he did. And I don't necessarily think that doing it daily is the best strategy, but doing it regularly, I think certainly is, uh, maybe weekly or monthly or annually, depending on how, how serious you are. I don't think I could do it annually. I'd have to do it more often, at least at the start, just to keep my, my mind on it more. But I think that reflection truly separates those that are are really going somewhere from those that are just kind of stuck in ruts often. Yeah. And it, it does really depend on where you're at with each habit, what kind of habit it is of how frequently. Yeah. Reviewing can be really beneficial, but, and he talks about how a lot of people, they're good at something right and and i think for a lot of us um young men growing up it was sports right it's where you you think i'm really good at basketball and that becomes part of your identity and then it's really easy to cling to that and when you do that when you get so focused on who you think you are it gets it can get hard to grow beyond that grow past that and that kind of reminds me of uh the Michael A. Singer book, Untethered Soul, he talked about how and cling to things that makes it hard to change and grow past that and see beyond that. Um, but if, if you keep your identity, um, so if, if you cling to something like that, and maybe that's an example of someone who is, um, what's the phrase? Like you've, you're still living back in high school. Um, what's the, yeah, what's the, <laughs> uh, you're reliving the glory days. Yeah. The glory days. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. That's it for sure. But if, if you're, if you're stuck in that, it, you just don't have room to grow beyond that. And that's a funny example. Cause you picture some jock who never grew past the fact that he was captain of the football team, right? Like in all the movies, but I think we all do that in certain ways. It's where you identify as something and you're like, oh no, I'm this kind of person. And that thought process can keep you from changing and growing and improving in so many different ways. Yeah. Which I, a good example of this actually is currently going on with me right now that I just realized <laughs> as you're talking. Uh, I'm losing a step in in my game with basketball, I used to be the quickest guy on the court and I'm starting to become not the quickest guy on the court. 
putting on some weight and uh you know just getting older and it's making it a lot harder to uh to score sometimes which is really frustrating so and that's like part of my identity on the court you know that's what i do i i run around i run a lot i'm famous for it you know within my pickup ball circles so (laughs) i don't know it's definitely frustrating and i feel like part of my identity is like slipping away from me but I don't need that identity. I just need to be satisfied that, you know, I'm, I work hard when I play and I, uh, I would like to be a more in shape player that, that needs to be part of my identity, but I don't need to be the fastest. Well, there you go. Breaking boundaries right here. Yeah. You heard it from, you heard it from me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that leaves us with the conclusion, which was really short. But my main takeaway from that is, and I kind of mentioned it, who do I want to be in 10 years from now? Who do I want to be in five years from now? Um, There's a lot of things that I could be, a lot of things that I could accomplish if I put effort into it. And not just effort, but do it efficiently, do it within a system that I developed that's smart and efficient, but do it, do it deliberately, deliberately. It's a good word. Um, and I think most things that are worth accomplishing in life take years to develop, right? Um, if you want to build a business or develop a really good marriage or get in really, really good shape, like it takes years and, in five years from now, you can either be who you want to be or you can still regret all the things you're not doing. And I'd obviously much rather be the person who's doing stuff that I want to do. Um, yeah. So you, just, you don't have a good reason to stop learning. You might as well keep learning. And he, he says keep learning, training, building friendships, keep working, keep improving. Don't stop doing those things. Um, cause that's, I mean, that, that really resonates with me cause that's just, I want to keep improving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really liked when he was talking about the coins and he, he had written that you give someone a coin, you don't call that person rich but at a certain amount of coins, they become rich. They're seen as rich. And uh, that's really interesting because it's not its not the first one, it's not the second one, it's not the third one, and so on. But at a certain point, it just kind of happens. It's kind of like learning a language, honestly. Uh, you and I have ber- both learned languages and... I don't know how it was for you, but for me, I just kind of woke up one day and realized that I was talking and could understand fluently what was being said and what was going on. But it wasn't the first day, it wasn't the second day, but at a certain point, it just kind of happened. And that's how these small habits are. At a certain point, 
they mold you into someone that you want to be. If you deliberately exercise these habits and deliberately try to practice them and you'll uh, eventually will master them. Ditto. All right. uh, Parks and Rec. When Andy's like, I want a billion nickels. <laughs> why I laugh. Sorry. I That's funny. I was like, well, <laughs> I'm trying to make a good point here. Your face <laughs> laughing at me. Is this because I like money? Huh? <laughs> you do like money. So anyway, keep saving your money and eventually you'll have a billion nickels. Gosh. We, do, the math, do the math on that. How many dollars is that? Let's see. Uh, my calculator doesn't, doesn't go to a billion. It Pretty only sure. goes to 100 million. 50 million? 55 million? No, not 55 million, but. All right, let's see. Got to turn your phone sideways. 50 million. A 50 millionaire. That's a lot of. A lot of cheddar, man. <laughs> you too could have a billion nickels. I had, wait, Brilliant. when I did the math, I got, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll figure it out later. Math. Yeah, 50 million. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll be back with the next book, which we don't have picked out yet. But yeah, we don't. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 doing math. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, we'll take suggestions. If not this book for the next book, but please, anybody who thinks they have a good book for us to to learn about, if there's something you think I and Garrett, Garrett and I really need to learn, let us know. We'd appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, you know, drop a nice little rate and review the podcast. I think we have like four. Your dad, I think it's your dad wrote a funny one. Oh, I saw him today. I should have brought that up. Oh, which is funny. <laughs> uh, we can edit this part out if if you want to, but did I I sent you the definition of tooch, right? Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> uh, anyway, read our reviews and then uh, look up tooch. It's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't mean touch, Dad. Gosh. (laughs) All right. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks, everybody.